Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Business of Sports. The cold hard truth about the Olympic journey is not really been financially incentivized in the same way that many other professional sports are. The business of basketball involves CBA, Global, our licensing arm, Think 450. All of those things will make up what that looks like. Money in sports is one of the reasons why I enjoy being on Monday Night Countdown. We talk about some of the more interesting aspects of business of sports. When you're talking sports, discipline is the bridge from being good to ultimately being great at whatever it is that you're trying to be or accomplish at your profession. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports show where we explore the big money issues in the world of sports. I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Mike Lynch. Scarlett Fu will not be joining us today, at least for the chat, but you'll hear her later in the show during an interview with one of our guests. Coming up today... We're excited to have 13-time MLB All-Star Ken Griffey Jr. talk about the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier with our very own Scarlett Fu and Mike Lynch. If he didn't do what he did, who's going to be the next Jackie Robinson? We don't know or if it ever happened. I was not able to be there for the interview, and we'll explain why later, but I'm very excited to listen. That's straight ahead on the Bloomberg Business of Sports show. But first, let's get to some of the topics and some of the big stories of the week. Let's start with Clayton Kershaw. He mm. was perfect through seven innings for the Dodgers, and then uh, he got pulled. And I know people are like, but he was uh, he was perfect. Why would you do I get exactly why they did it. Now, remember, he's coming off of an, an injury-prone season, um, and he threw seven uh, perfect innings. Lynchy, uh, Dodgers won, by the way. They shut out Minnesota. But I get exactly why he was yanked. I understand, and Kershaw knew going in he was only going to throw 80 to 85 pitches. He missed the postseason last year. He hadn't thrown more than 75 pitches in any simulated game for the Dodgers. Now, that's the Dodgers' point of view. I'm not happy about it, Michael Barr. Uh-oh. I am not happy about it at all. Major League Baseball has played more than 220 thousand games since baseball started and there have only been 23 perfect games 
There hasn't been one in 10 years since King Felix Hernandez did it for the Seattle Mariners. Should have been 24, but I'm not going to get into why I'm saying Yeah, in, in Detroit. Your home. <laughs> That's the Armando Galarraga yes. saga, but I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I went off path here. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, but you're right. But, you know, baseball needs something to bring fans back. And the drama of a no-hitter is something really, really special. But the drama of a perfect game is beyond belief. And this would just be gone. It, this would have gone viral, the final out, if it happened. And it, it, let him come out for the next inning. If he walks somebody, somebody gets on in an error or is a hit, you yank him out of the game. But I wanted to see him finish this game. I wanted to see him chase baseball history. And if I'm a fan, I'm not happy about it at all. So let me play Captain Devil's advocate here. He did have an injury uh, from the previous season. And as you mentioned, he missed the post uh, from last season. They're trying to protect that arm because it's a. This obviously is a young season now, so we want to make sure that Kershaw goes on for the rest of the season. And I get it. I mean, it's like, hey, I want to see this, but you know what? It has already done what it's supposed to for baseball because we're talking about it right now, Lynchy. Yeah, but it just would have been so – I mean, you're playing Little League, you're playing T-ball, you're a baseball fan. You're, yeah, I'm going to be Clayton Kershaw. I threw a perfect game. You know, what's a perfect game, Mom and Dad? Well, a perfect game was when nobody re- – I mean, it would open up a whole new conversation, a whole new discussion. I just want to see good things happen to baseball. I don't want great dramatic moments to be obstructed because somebody's going with a pitch count. And I blame Tony La Russa, who started this back in the 1980s, these stupid pitch counts. I just don't like it at all. I go back to Warren Spahn and, and Juan Marichal – through a six, both through 16 innings, complete game in a one nothing game back in the 1960s. They didn't even have pitch counts, but it was estimated they each threw more than 160 pitches in the game. I don't know. These guys are just, they're just so pampered. I mean, uh, I, this is history. You know, this 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 is history. If you know, have him miss the next start if he has to. Well, are we ever going to see a perfect game again? Because of the pitch count. Yeah, I mean, it, you're right. And this wasn't a high pitch count either. This is 80 pitches. He knew he wasn't going to throw 100. He knew he was going to throw 80 to 85. So he knew he was coming out. And who knew that he was going to have a perfect game going in? It was cold, 36 degrees uh, at game time. The game was played in Minneapolis outdoors. I understand all that. I understand the Dodgers being protective. But, you know, sometimes, every once in a while, you just got to do what's best for the game of baseball. And you ask out there in radio land well why are we talking about this on the business of sports where's the business angle in this simply because we're talking about it and that generates interest which generates revenue not only for the dodgers but everybody wins if you are a major league team and you're a fan going out there looking at your pitcher wondering hey i wonder if so and so is going to pitch this perfect game but i'm willing to bet that kershaw jerseys have been selling like hotcakes i'm you? sure they are and that was the one of the big things last year major league baseball set a record with merchandise it was up over 50 percent last year that was last year and this and they didn't even have full capacity for the entire season so you can imagine what it's going to be this year with full capacity 162 game schedule speaking of baseball we have valuations out for the 2021 season uh, heading now into this year. Which team is valued the most? Which franchise is worth $7 billion plus dollars? Gee, I don't know, Lynchy. Please inform me. Dun, 
Start spreading the news, Michael Barr. <laughs> Man, the Yankees, I mean, that's why, uh, you know, people say, why do you always talk about the Yankees? And when we're giving a, a sports score, if you notice, the Yankees will come first before the Mets if you're in New York. And Mets fans are, get all mad about that. But this is why, because the Yankees, a $7 billion franchise, I mean, my goodness. And the Red Sox, they came in second at over $5 billion. That's nearly $2 billion ahead uh, for the Yankees. But, man, I just – I guess part of it, uh, Lynchy, is because, you know, you have the stake also in the Yes Network. That That's a big part of it. What's so incredible to believe about this is that two years ago during COVID, there was a 60-game schedule, no fans. Last year – it was limited capacity probably until July or August for most stadiums. They weren't allowed to have 100% capacity. Yet, they still had to pay 100% of the salaries to the players. And yet, the average price for all the 30 franchises went up over 5%. It's hard to believe that that can actually happen when people weren't able to show up at the ballpark. The Yankees right now are worth more than the Dallas Cowboys. They're worth more than the New York Knicks. They're worth more than the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. And they're not uh, just by a little bit over the Cowboys. Cowboys are valued at $6.92 billion. But <laughs> what did Jerry Jones get that team for? It was like <laughs> pennies on the dollar. Uh, I mean, my goodness. And uh, just the New York Knicks, they're at $6.12 billion. Golden State Warriors at $6.03 billion. And since we're talking about the NBA, Let's talk about now when we're in the NBA playoffs. Uh, what happens now to Greg Popovich? Because the Spurs now are out of the playoffs. They lost their play-in game chance uh, to the Pelicans. Is uh, Popovich coming back? You know, the guy to me seems like a lifer. You know, he's going to be there and, and, until he probably draws his last breath. I think it's you know, basketball is his oxygen. And, you know, I, I, I sort of I feel bad for these teams that, that lose in the play-in in games and their seasons are over, but the Spurs did finish. If there were no play-in game at all, the Spurs did finish eight games out of eighth place. So they were one of the teams that benefited from the play-in game, actually having a chance to get into the playoffs. And the Eastern Conference is a whole bunch of teams that are with uh, seeds 7, 8, 9, and 10 within one game of each other. But in the Western Conference, there's a big spread. So I don't feel so bad for Greg Popovich as I do for teams that probably should have had a one-game playoff to see who got if, if we didn't have this play-in format. He's been the head coach of the Spurs for 26 seasons, and he's 73. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that's super-duper old or anything, but let's think about it. Let me put it in perspective. There has been chatter Ooh, can we get Phil Jackson to come to the Los Angeles Lakers again? Now, Phil is also in his 70s, about the same age, and I don't see Phil coming back at all because he wants to enjoy his retirement. So, like you said, though, but but Popovich, uh, he does seem like a lifer. He does to me. I mean, just basketball is just in his blood, and I just can't imagine him – you know, waking up every day and not being able to go to the gym, not be able to get on a bus, a plane, hotel room, coach a game. Winning is, is obviously the ultimate goal here, but he's one of those great coaches that's a teacher as well. And he's had, his, his tree of assistant coaches 
that he's brought in that have gone on and had success other places really is is remarkable and and I think that's something that that that, that fuels him and drives him and that's one of those things also with Popovich uh, he is so affiliated with the team that uh, people know the Spurs they know Popovich and it's a familiarity where that's why people come to the court to see it and there's a lot of money involved in that I wonder what happens now if Popovich says no I'm not going to come back and a new guy comes in will the revenue from ticket sales go down to be determined how's that yeah to be determined and one final note on money before I just want to jump back to the Yankees because our, our crack research department at Bloomberg Business of Sports just handed me a note that George Steinbrenner bought the New York Yankees in 1973 for 8.8 million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh lordy, <laughs> you can't even get M and M's now for that price, man. <laughs> By the way, now Charlotte, the Hornets, they're out. Also, they they got knocked out of the uh, the play-in game tournament, if you want to call it that. But this was like. But it was you kind of feel bad for Charlotte. Miles Bridges, he got ejected from the game. Well, no, you can't throw your mouthpiece and hit a young fan in the stands. That come on, man. What's up with that? But Charlotte, the, I think the team had to walk to the arena because a train held them up, and so they they had to to walk to the arena. They're they're already in a bad mood. And then this happens, and then you get blown out 132-103 to Atlanta. I mean, come on, man. What, what happened here, Lynchy? You know, they should have just, just quit while they were behind. <laughs> we're going to walk to the arena. We might as well just find a bus and get the heck out of here. <laughs> the turning point was when they parked the bus, and that was it, man. It was <laughs> – boy, you feel bad for that. But, you know, the, I tell you what, the, the playing tournaments and now we full bore now into uh, the, the NBA playoffs, there's a lot of money in that, Lynchy. There is, and, and, and the motive here is finish higher than – in seventh, finish in the top six, and you don't have to worry about the playoffs. So I, I kind of like it. It puts a little bit of pressure, in, and it adds a little bit of that March Madness into it, you know? Yeah. you got to win. Win or, go, win or go home. Garlett Lynchy got the chance to speak with 13-time MLB All-Star and Hall of Famer Ken Griffey Jr. Now, unfortunately, I could not be a part of this interview, and I'm going to do a little bit about uh, how the sausage is made and, and why I was supposed to be part of it. But uh, this interview was taped on Tuesday. And as we all know, that's the exact same day when all of a sudden a gunman on uh, a Brooklyn subway started shooting up the train and uh, people injured. Thank God right now nobody has died. But all of a sudden, uh, as a news guy, uh, it was all hands on deck. And uh, I was part of that because uh, obviously – I wanted to talk about Jackie Robinson Day with Ken Griffey Jr., so that's why I couldn't be part of that interview. But, uh, Lynchy, I just want to know, how was it speaking with one of the best hitters of all time? This really was a, a great interview. It started off very slowly. He was very measured in, in everything he was talking about. Sometimes I didn't know if he had finished his comments, and Scarlett and I were ready to jump in with the next question, and then he would continue. And he really talked about a myriad of subjects, uh, which really were fascinating, uh, about him playing and homering in the same game with his dad back in 1990. 
the opportunities that he had and his dad had because of, of Jackie Robinson. One of the most, the most important things since this weekend is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson mm-hmm. breaking in to baseball, breaking the color barrier. How all 30 Major League Baseball teams came to all wear the number 42 on April 15th. And right at the heart of it, and the genesis of it, was Ken Griffey Jr. Jackie's such a, a big part of our family's history as far as, you know, allow what he did was allowing us to, to go out there and play and have the freedom to go out there and play, to make choices. He didn't do what he did. Who's going to be the next Jackie Robinson? We don't know, or if it ever happened. But thank God that he did it. And, you know, I was able to go out there and play. But I called Commissioner Salek and asked him, could I wear 42? And he said, hey, give me a minute. I'm going to call you back. And he called Rachel and then called me back the next day. He said, do you mind if everybody wears it? And I was like, absolutely not. The more the merrier. In 07, that's when it started. And it's been that way ever since. And it's unbelievable to see. I I look at it as something that I wanted to be selfish and do. But it turned into something much greater than I anticipated. Hey, Ken, this is uh, Mike Lynch up in Boston. Loved it when you came to town with Seattle. Uh, your dad tortured us in the 75 World Series. It's great to great to actually uh, have a chance to talk to you. When, when the labor negotiations and the lockout was going on, it, it got pushed into the first week in February. How much of a factor do you think that if we don't settle this thing, we're going to be locked out during Jack, the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier? Do you think that had any any push on both sides to get it done by so the players could be on the field by April 15th? I think that helped um, because you definitely didn't want to, to go into, you know, the, the first celebration of the year in a lockout. Um, and I think, you know, both sides were motivated to, to get something done and, and thank God that they did. So we don't have to talk about it and, you know, they're going to be playing baseball uh, uh, for, quite a few years after this, I try to stay out of labor negotiations. You know, one of the things that I said is, you know, not a, not being a player uh, is that, Hey, I just want to celebrate the guys that allowed me to go out there and, and play freely as I did. And, you know, Jackie was a, a big part of it. Um, growing up, you know, the conversations at dinner table of certain things that he went through, um, that I couldn't imagine going through. So those were some of the, the difficult conversations as a, a preteen that you learn about what that man has gone through. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I liked what you said earlier about how without Jackie there, you couldn't have played baseball, um, how he paved the way for, for black players. Looking at the stats now, in the 19. 19- 70s black baseball players made up about a fifth 20 percent of the mlb that number has now dropped to about eight percent today the mariners actually have the most black players on their team as of uh, 2020 which was about 10 players why do you think this is why do you think the number of black players or the proportion of black players is is declining in mlb uh i think that you look at other sports the celebration being able to be unique um where baseball if you're unique, you're 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 a problem, and I think that's got to, that success has to go away. I look at certain ball players because of how they play the game, not because of the color of their skin. Um, we have to get away from that. Black ball players, Latin ball players, you know, we like to celebrate, and it's not that we are trying to show somebody up, but it's just a celebration of what we've done. Mm-hmm. And I think you know the public has to understand that there is a difference between showing being enthusiastic 
and degrading your opponent. We who have played the game, we understand the difference. We understand the magnitude of the situation when you can and can't do something. You know, uh, you're down by 15 runs and you hit a home run and you, you walk it off. That's not the time that you do something like that. You know, but if it's, you know, a game winner or something like that, then that's fine. We have to teach the next generation of ballplayers how to play the game. So let me understand correctly. The inability to express yourself on the field is preventing or keeping yes, black because, players from, yeah. from rising the ranks of MLB or, or even entering the sport? No, it, no. I think, you know, with the, uh, you look at football, you get drafted, uh-huh. you're, in the, you're in the NFL. You look at basketball, you get drafted, you're in the NBA. You uh-huh. look at baseball, you get drafted, where do you go? The minor leagues. And baseball is a, a, an expensive sport. Um, basketball, you need basketball, football, you need football, baseball, you know, you got travel ball, you got to be seen, you know, um, high school baseball isn't really that popular, more of your summer ball travel teams, you know, but in football, you play every Friday and somebody's going to come see you. Basketball, you know, you have a couple tournaments during the course of the year, somebody's going to be seen, you know, there'll be 300 coaches at a basketball tournament. You know, you're going to get a scholarship. You know, you look at scholarship problems. What is it, 11.7% for baseball? That's how many scholarships they offer, but football and basketball are full rides. So there's a number of factors that go on on why baseball isn't as popular. But being able to express yourself and celebrate is in there also. Mm. Ken, uh, you were only three when Jackie Robinson died in 1972. Um but I'm sure your dad crossed paths with him a number of times. Any stories you recall your dad passing along about his interaction with Jackie Robinson? Um, my dad was in the minor leagues until I think so. I haven't, we've never really had that conversation. It's just the stories of other players who have played with him. You know, a guy named Joe Black, who was a teammate of his, who is like, you know, that every – black ball player that came into the league he uh, uh made sure that he had a conversation with and made sure that we were aware of the history of you know black ball players you know from the barnstorming to to you know jackie making the death threats he made sure that we were all aware of all those things so it wasn't really my dad who who had conversations with him it was more of a teammate of his, Joe Black, who had those conversations, and I was able to have those conversations with Joe. Right, right. I know that you are also working with Capital One uh, to donate money to the Jackie Robinson Foundation uh, for this season. Can you tell us a little bit about this initiative? Well, it, it's, it's a match made in heaven. Uh, you have Capital One who, who wants to give back, and you have the Jackie Robinson foundation in the 75 year 75th year who want to have who want to help kids achieve their goal you know the great thing about capital one is you know their card holders are going to get great things you know they're going to be able to get stuff early you know whether that's tickets to the all-star game postseason concerts they're going to be able to to get a lot of things that are going to go out first and that's going to help the foundation also, when we talk about giving back, for every hit, game-winning hit, they're giving $1,000. And last year, I think it was over $250,000. Who, 
hopefully, you know, we can get more, you know, more hits, game-winning hits, uh, whether walk-off hits. So hopefully we can raise more money and, and let these kids get a chance to live out their goals as a lot of us have. And there's a there's a, a guarantee here of, what, $250,000 minimum? Is that right? Yep, there's a guarantee. Pretty cool. So it, it's going to be fun. Uh, you know, we, you're going to start rooting for, for teams that you normally wouldn't root for because you know that the money is going to go to uh, getting kids to achieve their goals. You want to talk about something cool. I don't know if people remember this, but I remember you actually got to play with your dad. Um and you both hit a home run in the same game. Is that right? 1990? Yes. Yes. He hit his first, and and he shook my hand. And he goes, that's how you do it, son. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Dad, I got 600. I'm going to get 630 of these. <laughs> no, no uh, you know, and, and I just look back, and and the, the great thing about having a dad is, is, is that played is that you just looked at him going, you know, that's my dad out there. Uh, and so I hit mine, and he made me shake everybody's hand before he shook my hand. Really? And, and I wanted to shake his first. And he made, he stood in the back of the line, and I shook everybody's hand, and I sat next to him. And not knowing the magnitude of the situation, because I'm 20 years old, I'm in the game, and him being 40, looking at it in a whole different light. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking at it as, you know, we just made history. I'm looking at it like we we need to win this game. <laughs> and it didn't actually hit me until I passed Frank Robinson on the home run chart. And I was rounding the bases, and that's when it hit me. I go, now I understand what my dad felt like in 1990. It was, it was the only time that I've ever felt that way, you know, running the bases of like, wow, I understand it now. Yeah. And, you know, the dad, you know, you hear this story, you'll understand it later. Right now, you don't understand when a dad tells you something. Well, that was one of those moments where I didn't understand until later. And when it finally happened, I understood it. But my dad was really, he was a teammate. And he wanted to make sure that I was treated as a teammate until we got home. And that's when he became dad again. Mm. At the ballpark, we were teammates when we got home. We, you know, he was he was back to being dad, and it was quite interesting because he stayed at my house, and usually it's the other way around. <laughs> but I'm like, Dad, you're only here for six weeks. Stay at my house. My mom was there, so I got, you know, I got some some pretty good food. Dad was real upset because he would ask for something, and I would ask, and I would always get what I wanted. And he's like, <laughs> he'd tell my mom, "Are you gonna Are you cooking for him or me?" And she's like, "Well, that's my baby." <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's always the case. Mom will always choose her son. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, my son's here at the house right now. <laughs> right, right. Um, I, I want to get a sense from you uh, how you advise players who are coming out of, um, well, it, it wasn't shortened, but it was kind of disrupted season because of the, the lockout. You were in the middle of a monster season during the 1994 season and the subsequent strike, but the way you conducted yourself uh, clearly, you are a favorite among fans in the league as well. A lot of people say that you helped restore MLB's image after the 1994 labor dispute. How would you advise players to move forward with some of the, after all, after the strife of the last couple of months? Just be yourself. You know, just be you. 
you know, um, you know, the business side of, uh, of sports can be some somewhat ugly sometimes, but you don't have to be ugly. You know, just go out there. You know, if you smile, you smile. Don't change who you are because of a, a business decision. You know, I love baseball. I go out there every day. If I could go out there right now, I would. But being 52, I'm like, hmm, maybe once a week. <laughs> it goes one hamstring. <laughs> yeah, maybe once a week. That, that's the best. I but, you know, I still watch it. Um, I still root for guys. You know, just go out there and, 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 and be you. You know, it's not about how many autographs somebody signs. It's not about there. When somebody, you know, a fan says hi, you can say hi back. It don't don't cost nothing to say hi. You know, do wish more. Do wish more players had that that thing say hi to to a fan. Like just a, tip your cap, even if you don't have time to sign an autograph, just smile and and, and wink yeah. or wave. Uh, I've had a full conversation while I was at the plate one time. <laughs> <laughs> But it was it was a it was a, a, a an ex teammate's wife who said hi to me and I said hey how you doing how's the family how's it and she's looking at me going he's having a conversation with me uh, <laughs> I end up hitting a home run that at bat but we won't talk about that but, <laughs> but you know I I feel that fans are there to enjoy the game you know they they you know every now and then you get the the rowdy fan but for the most part people are out there wanting you to do well and wanting to see a, a good game. And I think that, you know, for me, being 19 helped because I was a kid and they were like, well, we can't really yell at them too much. <laughs> you know, I did have a guy in Boston, by the way, oh. buy tickets behind home plate, well, the on-deck circle and in center field. <laughs> and, like, after year two, like when I was at home play, when I went to hit, he'd be there. When I go to the outfield, he'd be there. And like, I think it was year two, maybe year three, I finally turned around and was like, "Hello." And he was like, "That's all I wanted." I go, "What do you mean?" <laughs> I was, I go, I thought that you had a twin. Like y'all were just messing with. Me. He was like, "No, I just wanted you to say hi to me. That's it." I was like, and I started laughing. But you know, like I said, most of the people that come to the ballpark want to have a good time and enjoy the game. But there are some people that, you know, push it to the limit. Yeah. But, know. you know, we just have to – There, there's not that many of those. We just have to celebrate the ones that want to come out there and watch the game that they love. I mean, because I tell people all the time, I'm not going to spend money on something that I don't want to watch. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to go yell at somebody, that's not enjoyable for me. I want to go out there and watch these guys perform at the highest level. You're not playing right now, but you're still on the Reds' payroll. Lynchy, this is uh, something that Bobby Bonilla knows something about, isn't it? No, no, no. See, that's not really that's not really that. See, those are mis misinformed numbers. <laughs> okay, please clarify. That money was already set aside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, deferred. Yeah, and, and when I deferred my compensation, it was already deferred, and now I'm just getting it now. But it was already smart. Put there. It wasn't like the the Bobby Bonilla. All right, we'll give you. You're making one point, whatever, and all of a sudden it turns into thirty. That money was already over there. Final question for me, Ken. When you think of Jackie Roosevelt Robinson, one word. Give me one word when you when you think of him. Hero. That guy. But I can't. You know. Yep. The I man. <laughs> Even though there are two words in there, <laughs> you can't really describe. You know, 
father, husband. They all fit. Yeah. There's a list. I mean, the things, like I said, if it wasn't for him, who would it be? Mm -hmm. Would it be after my dad plan? There may not be a King Griffey Sr. and King Griffey Jr. plan, but he did it so we can go out there and play. And I don't have to deal with the, 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 the tone that he had to deal with back in 47. Yeah. I don't have to deal with that in 1989. And, and, and it's going to continue to get better where my kids don't have to hear it. Their kids don't have to hear it because he brought a country together and every sport benefited because of him. Yeah. Every part of life benefited because people stopped looking at the color of people's skin and look at what this person brought to the table. And that's why Jackie and Robinson that, Day, April 15th, is going to be celebrated across MLB and across sports overall. 75th anniversary yeah. of uh, Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. Yeah, but it's most it's 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 bigger than than like you said it's bigger than baseball. It's mm-hmm. it's life. It's what this man did for every single one of us to be able to say, hey, we may be different, but we can get along, and we have a common goal. Right. And that's whatever that common goal is. You know, whether it's sports or business, you know, cooking, whatever it is, art. We may look different, but we have a goal, and he allowed all of us to finally look at each and every one of us in a way that we're supposed to be looked at. Ken, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you joining us and and reflecting on Jackie Robinson with us. Thank you. Such an honor. Thanks, Ken. That was awesome. That had to be a treat, talking to Ken Griffey Jr., especially about Jackie Robinson Day, Lynchy. Yeah, it was. And uh, and I I never knew that that he was the one that went to Commissioner Bud Selig to ask if he could wear number 42. Mm-hmm on April 15th, but Selig said to him, let me get back to you. And Selig came back and said, would you mind if everybody in baseball were number 42? And Ken says, no, the more the merrier. I thought that was great. I never knew that Ken Griffey Jr. was behind that move. Uh, that was a, a great move, and obviously uh, you know, it'll never be worn by any Major League Baseball player again. I think Mariana Rivera was the last one to, to wear 42. Um, it's, it's on a it's retired number at every single ballpark around Major League Baseball. And um, the reverence that, that Ken Griffey Jr. had and still has for Jackie Robinson is just so impressive, and he got that from his dad. Uh, it's passed down, and Ken is now passing it down to his children as well. And just think of uh, you know, how, how many opportunities have been, doors have been opened for what Jackie Robinson did, and Jackie Robinson had to endure to be able to do it for so many young African Americans to play this great game. But we need to get more. Eight uh, percent is 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 not a satisfactory number. And what Ken had to say kind of made sense. That you know you you play basketball in college, you get drafted, you go right to the NBA and you play. You play football in college, you get drafted by the NFL, and you instantly are in the big leagues. Baseball, you get drafted or you sign, you go play in the minor leagues from anywhere from one to eight or nine years mm-hmm. if you hang in there that long. And that's one of the big reasons that it's not that attractive because there isn't the instant gratification that you have in sports like basketball and the NBA and football with the National Football League. So those are pretty good points that, that he brought up that I took away from that conversation. And, and speaking of that, bringing that up, right now there is a fight going on in court right now uh, with Major League Baseball and the minor league teams. The minor leaguers are saying these are poverty wages. Major League Baseball, on the other hand, is saying – hey, you're playing to reach a dream. 
and you could have gotten into any other line of work, but this is what you wanted. Uh, I, that's an interesting take on that. It's a pretty good way to make a living. We've all been around uh, Major League ballparks and spring training camps, and uh, you, you watch what these guys do, and it, it beats uh, an awful lot of other ways to make a living. By the way, if you haven't had a chance, watch 42, the movie. It came out, uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, a great actor, late great actor, uh, playing Jackie Robinson. Just excellent on what Jackie Robinson had to go through during his lifetime and it was very enlightening in fact that was one of the few movies the lights came up and the audience applauded i I remember that well a great one absolutely a great movie speaking of great ones and great (laughs) movies this needs to be on film time now for the number of the week now because scarlet isn't here as lynchy's already on stage so we're going to play the game put them in order and give me the number. <laughs> so uh, you pl- you're playing for a car, man. This is, you know. Okay. Now, I didn't just pick any old season. I picked the 1960 home run leaders. Now, there were five that I'm going to mention right now and not in any order. Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Ernie Banks, Hank Aaron, Eddie Matthews. I used to use an Eddie Matthews bat in Little League. Yes. Um, I want... <laughs> See how close you get, one to five, naming the 1960 home run leaders. I'm going to go, since you asked this, the obvious answer would be Hank Aaron. But since you asked this, it has to be somebody that's other than Hank Aaron. And who would the odd one be? So I'm going to go, let's see, I wrote them down here. I'm going to go EB, Ernie Banks, number one. I'm going to go Mickey, number two. I'm going to go Hank number three. Maris hit 61 and 61. He didn't hit it in 60, but he was pretty hot. So I'm going to go Maris four and Eddie Matthews five. So I get Banks, Mantle, Aaron, Maris, Matthews. Know what? I got to give it to you. You got it. Really? <laughs> yes. Uh, it, here, Here's the deal. Uh, Ernie Banks hit 41. And by the way, you use the logic and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> Dang! <laughs> he was right. <laughs> Ernie Banks hit 41. Hank Aaron and Mickey Mantle each hit 40 home runs. Roger Maris and Eddie Matthews hit 39 home runs, all in the 1960 season. Huh. You nailed it. Where was like Harmon Killebrew and uh, Willie Mays in that group? That's a good question. I, yeah. I, they got to be in the top 10. Yeah. yeah. Especially Killebrew, man. That, that was. That guy, it, he, he was one of the first ones to knock one out of the old Tiger Stadium. And I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, man. It was something else. Well, if you didn't give me the names of the top five, I might not have. But I would have given you uh, Aaron, Mays, Mantle, Banks, and something. But I, I remember that uh, this was an idea for a shortstop to lead the, the majors and home runs. Well, I wanted to be fair. Cause I know. Like, but I, see, I, I got inside Michael. I got inside your head and said, what? You know, he says, he says, I bet Lynch is going to say the obvious answer will be Hammer and Hank Aaron. 
<laughs> this is fine. I will never play poker with you. <laughs> this is the Bloomberg Business of Sports Show. Oh, by the way, you won a car. Thanks for the Yugo. Yeah, 68 uh, Dodge Dart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, those swingers, man, were great, man. Yeah, I, I love those. Six engine, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are here each and every week at the same time, plus online, wherever you get your podcasts. You can catch those Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. Scarlett, hurry back, will you please? I'm Mike Lynch. Follow <laughs> me at LynchyWCVB. By the way, you can follow Follow Scarlett on Twitter at Scarlett Foo. Thanks for joining us. Tune in again next week for the latest on the stories moving big money in the world of sports. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world.